Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for this week's edition of All Things Evangelism. I'm here today with Pastor Greg Fernance from the Grafton Church, and we're going to talk today about how to ensure people show up for Bible studies. Now, this might not be something that you've experienced in your own personal ministry, but it's something that I've experienced where you know, you're you're working with people in the community, you've got multiple contacts, or maybe you've just got a friend and they don't show up for Bible study. Are there things that we can do to ensure that the people we have gained commitments to study the Bible with will show up to a Bible study? So thanks for, for joining me, Greg, for, for the podcast. No, thanks for having me, Matt. And yeah, it's definitely a question that I think is on a lot of people's mind, but also a question that is hard to answer because the question, is there like one sort of method that you can use to make sure that happens? Yeah, it's funny because if I'm a local church member, if I'm a Bible worker, if I'm a pastor, this is a relevant question to me because we want to get people into the Word of God because that's where you know, Jesus says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, there's no life in you. And the words that I speak are spirit and life. So in other words, he's just simply saying, you need to ingest the written Word of God and put my, my thoughts, my ideas inside of you. And that's how you'll have life. And so we want to get people into the word of God so they can be born again through the word. But oftentimes people can be a bit slippery. So my cousin Tom and I were going to study the Bible, but he keeps ducking me. It's just not happening. For some reason, it's just like we had that moment. The Holy Spirit brought him to a point to say, sure, I'll sit down and study with you sometime. But it's just not happening. That was two months ago. Has that Obviously, it's happened to you. It's happened to me. It happens yeah, to yeah. everybody. How do you deal with that? Yeah. Okay. So it is, it's something that happens to me a lot, especially when you get multiple contacts and people that are really new to all of this. And, and a lot of people show anxiety and they're a bit unsure what's going to happen in that Bible study, what it's going to be like. And I think that for me, just a few things that I have learned. And one thing that really sticks was when you have that moment with someone, when the spirit is there and they accept to do those studies with you is I always make sure that I make an appointment with the person for the next time. So don't leave with them with saying, okay, when you're ready to do them, call me or I'll give you a call next week. Say, I'm going to be there at Tuesday on 11 o'clock and we're going to study the Bible. So be very definite once, yeah, be, be specific, be definite, make an appointment. When someone says to you, they'll study. Yeah, definitely. And if by some chance they miss that appointment or they say oh, I'm unavailable that day and things happen in life, that happens all the time. I will ask them instead of leaving it till the next week, do you have another day that week? I'll try to rearrange my schedule to to still keep that study so the spirit is still there. Mm -hmm. And it, It's funny because you can feel so good about the fact that someone's given you a positive response that you just want to live in that happiness for the moment and not yeah. move any further and realize it. Then you can just forget that, okay, I've got nothing to be happy with yet. We haven't been, they're not following Jesus with all their hearts and they're not a thriving Christian yet. So I got nothing really to, at the moment, but it feels so good to make some progress so that you're like, okay, good. I don't want to say anything else now. <laughs> okay, yeah. have a nice day. Look forward to it. And then <laughs> it stays in the abstract. Yeah, that's right. And unless you follow that up quickly, that the longer that you leave it, the, the harder it is to gain that person back. And like I said, if you miss that appointment, I will always try to make that appointment again. Or if it starts to get to the point where the appointments are not being kept, I'll just show up at the person's house unannounced. And that might seem a bit rude, but nine times out of 10, I found that if I just show up with the Bible in my hand, they know that you're there for the study and they'll sit in and they'll listen. And then the spirit is working again. And you make that appointment for the next week and go back. 
It's interesting. So, so what was the first time you ever did that? Do you remember? Yeah, I'm just trying to to think. So when I first started to in the in all of this, I I took that approach with visitation. So I I would never ever ring the person and say, "Are you home? I'm going to come and visit you." I would just show up at their door. And once I was there, it was really hard for that person to knock me back and to say, "Oh, you can't come in today." Or so you're there. And I thought this works in visitation. Let's try this in Bible studies. And I found the same reaction that happens. The same thing happens. You might be a bit nervous going there thinking, oh, this person will think that I'm, I'm here and, I'm, and they're unannounced. But, but it works. You go and you've got the Bible in your hand. They know that you're there for a study. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a bit bold, don't you think? Is, Especially for like our culture and our time. It's it not is. something that people typically do. No, it's not something that, that people typically will do. But I think in the space and the time that we live in where the devil is working, we've got to step out and we've got to be a bit bolder. I love that because sometimes your desire to be polite and considerate can work against you. Not that's being inconsiderate or impolite to just show up because your friends show up at friends' houses all the time. Like I don't have to have an invitation to go across the street to my neighbor Mark's house. We do that all the time. He's over here yesterday. We were just chit-chatting. I can go over to his house. So if my cousin or my brother or my sister or my neighbor has said that they'll study the Bible with me and we've made two or three appointments and it's not worked out. I'm not being impolite or inconsiderate to just show up. Hey, just wanted to see if now's a good time to study. No, that's it. Yeah, that, yeah, they've already accepted to to do the study. So it's not like you're calling them off, but you're just taking the initiative in the decision that they've made. And, and what I like about that is it's very biblical. Jesus always took the initiative. Jesus always comes to us. Jesus went to the disciples at the sea and said, I will make you fishers of men. He didn't wait for them to come to him. You know, Jesus always takes the first step. And and I try to follow that To We need to take the first step with people because with people, they are anxious and they're, they're, they're in the unknown territory of, of the Bible. And what does this all mean? And, and sitting down with that person and doing that study can be a daunting thing for someone. You know, I can use the example just yesterday. So yesterday I've got this new couple in study and they said, hey, can we invite a friend to come over? And I said, yeah, cool. The, the more the merrier. That'd be awesome. So I walk in and the lady's there and she's petrified. You can see that she's petrified. Hey, she wanted to be there, but she's petrified. Just, I'm sorry about my anxiety. I just don't know what to expect. What's going to happen today? So then it became the task of making it as comfortable as you could for that lady. And by the end, She's begging me for a Bible and a book and, and I want to come back next week. Yeah, that's awesome. Dude, that's, this is the phrase that comes to my mind. We shouldn't give in to the misgivings of others. Yeah. Because if you give in to their misgivings, you only accommodate and encourage those bad feelings. And so it's like, so I know this person is a little bit unsure about the study. They've said, yeah, they felt inspired to, to learn and to grow. But now it's, uh-oh, what's this going to involve? And they're freaking out and the devil's like making them afraid. If I give in to those emotions and start to reflect those emotions, then I'm only encouraging them. I have to just act the opposite. I have to be calm and cool and positive and, and not let those feelings affect me. Because I think this is what happens, Greg, a bit, is that the person, the spiritual person, the Christian who's wanting to share a study, they feel scared themselves too. Yeah. Absolutely. And when they sense that their contact or their friend feels scared, then that like magnifies their fear and puts more pressure on them. So then they just go, okay, they let it fall away. Yeah. They let it slip away rather than saying, no, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. And we're going to have a study and they're going to think it's awesome because the word of God is awesome. And, and once they see that this information is awesome and cool and amazing, 
they're going to love it and they're going to want to study. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. No one wants to sit there and listen to the Bible if you're half confident about it. It's not exciting. It's not. And we should be excited about this stuff because this is the gospel and this has saved us. This has changed our lives. And we should be dying to share that with someone else in an enthusiastic way of how it's worked in our lives. And that can become hard too. Like if you miss a few studies with someone or if they haven't shown up, it's really easy for the devil to make you lose heart. And this is something that I've experienced in the past where I've just been like really down because that person missed that study. I've missed that opportunity today. And a text comes to mind in Galatians 6 verse 9, and it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And this is so true, man. If you don't lose heart and you don't let the devil attack that space of your mind, you will reap the benefits. And you will see, and that was an example of that lady yesterday, like she's done one study now and she's, that's it, I'm on, I'll preach. Get me up to church, I'll preach. She's excited, she's fired up. And at the beginning of the study, she was like, I didn't know what to expect, what's going to go on here today, you know? That's so good. It's so true. Every time I hear a Daniel 2 Bible study, like just a basic Word of God Bible study, I get so excited. I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Like, this is such interesting information. And the idea that an individual human being has access to the truth of God through his written prophetic word is so exciting. And to be able to be the person who gets to introduce that fact to another human being, like, hey, guess what? You have access to God. Yeah, absolutely. As you, Whoever you are, poor, rich, untalented, whatever you are, the most humble, the least of humanity, you can be the least of humanity, and God has given you access to himself. And here it is. Here's what he says. Here's what he thinks. And here's his plan yeah. for your eternal life. Dude, how cool is it? And you get to share that. So how could that not be awesome? And I guess it boils down to confidence. If I'm confident, I'll pursue the person to the degree that they need to be pursued. Yeah, and that's it. And I don't think I don't think having confidence is like boasting in yourself. I've got it all together and I'm a confident person and, and I can make this happen. There's other things that come to me. When you have confidence, you're having confidence that God will speak to that person. And, and God is honoring your faith. You are strongly believing in your mind that God is going to talk to that person today. And they're going to be excited by the word of God, not because of anything cool that you've got to say, but because it's God's word. And like you said, it's actually speaking to that person's heart. This is God actually speaking to the person. And and that's where prayer comes in. And prayer has a lot to do with it. Like I, I tell people, if you're not going to pray for the person that you're going to study with, then don't study with them because prayer is so important. You need to be praying for that person all the time to, to keep the devil out, to keep their heart open, to to keep the spirit working in their life because we're in a spiritual battle. And we're not in a war against flesh and blood, like the Bible says, but principality and powers. And the devil's going to do all he can to discourage that person from coming to the study. Only Jesus can bring them. Only Jesus can change them. Only Jesus can speak to them. I had a pastor friend once who said that whenever you make an appeal or are working for the souls of others, the devil will be there. He's not going to back down. He said, so you don't need to back down either. He said, so if you're the kind of person who will back down when you're resisted by Satan, you will never win souls because yeah. the devil will just, he'll get you to back down. Yeah. You won't resist him. You won't show up for the fight and you're going to lose because he's not going to let go of people easy. 
Yeah. And I thought that was a really, it was the wisdom of a soul winner. This guy was a soul winner. He had won many people to faith in Christ. And he saw in me an unwillingness to go as far as I needed to go to help people move forward in faith. And I was really just being selfish because I was trying to be polite and not, oh, they'll come on their own terms. And he said, newborn babies in Jesus are like newborn babies. They need more help than an adult person. And so you don't treat a two-year-old the way you treat a 20-year-old. He said, so when you're dealing with someone who is spiritually young or maybe has never even opened their heart to the truth of, of God's word, you can't expect them to just make a mature decision and have all the kind of strength that is necessary for to pursue and to come to, to decisions on their own. You've got to get out there. You've got to you know, put yourself out there and go the extra mile for them or else you're not going to have a study. You're not, it's not going to go anywhere. No. I think it's, it's funny because I wanted to ask you the question because I know there are people who would hear your and I conversation. And I would say there's some people that hear us talking and say, ah, oh, you guys are advocating what, stalking people? Or are you advocating like harassment? A world where we throw away, we throw around these terms very loosely. What are you saying? You're going to stalk someone? Like, because they would equate showing it up at someone's house with stalking, even though that's a very poor use of that word. But there are people who think that. They'd yeah. say, what are you guys talking about? That's rude. That's inappropriate. You don't force people against their will to study you. With you, what do you say? Well, it's it's like your family. You Is it stalking if you just show up at your brother's house? Is it stalking if you just show up at your sister's house? Is it stalking if you show up at your mum and dad's house? No, you have a relationship with that person and you are uh, free to to go to their house when you want. And that's the sort of relationship you want to be building with the people that you're studying with before you even study with them. So you, you've earned this person's trust. It's not like you're a complete stranger who they've met all the street, on the street just one day, although that does happen, but you're... You're spending time with this person, and this is another key point to ensuring that they show up to the Bible studies, is make sure you spend as much time with that person in the study as you do outside the study because that person has to trust you. That person has to know that you have their best interests at her. That person has to know that you love them. That person has to know that you're not just coming around to bash the Bible over their head, but you actually love them. And once you've gained that trust with someone, it's just like showing up to someone's place as a family member, as a brother or a sister. And I, I think that I could, not that I've got it all together, but I think that I could quite confidently say that you could go and ask any of my studies, am I part of their family? And I think that the answer would be yes. So if I was you know, living my past life and showed up to a friend's house with a six pack of beer and said, hey, let's have a beer. You wouldn't get anybody in the beer drinking world who would say that I am harassing my my acquaintance or my friend even if it was just like my neighbors i just don't even know my neighbor very well we've said hi two or three times i've just moved into the neighborhood i show up at his house and i say hey i just want to brought you a six pack of beers man thought we'd have a beer together yeah to say hey nobody's gonna say you're stalking your neighbor you brought a six pack of beer to their house and expected to drink a beer with them you what but all of a sudden you're a spiritual person and another individual has said yeah i'll study the bible with you you show up with your bible and now it's harassment yeah. Now it's stalking? Like yeah. what, what? It seems to me that the devil is, is so good at placing fears into our minds to keep us from those who could be saved that he comes up with these really these these little ideas that are really counterproductive. No, 100%. It's not like you're you're rocking up to that person's place and you're sitting in their driveway in your car and you're waiting for them to get home. I'm going to sit here all day till they get home, then I'm going to pounce on them. 
and it's going to be on. Yeah. And they're like trying to get away from you. No, sorry. I told you for the 15th time, (laughs) I don't want you to bother me anymore. That's stalking. This person who has expressed a positive. It's funny because as a Bible worker, you deal with this. This is why, by the way, I think it's so good for people to go to have a time in their life where they go door to door for most people, not for everybody, but for most people, because it teaches you things that you couldn't learn anywhere unless you're just a, a really good soul winner by nature. So for me, I remember when I was first going out there knocking on doors, Tons of people would say, yeah, I'll study the Bible with you. But they had no intention of studying with you. They just said, yeah, sure, I'll study with you to, to get you off their doorstep. Yeah. But that happens all the time. And But you can't tell who's the sincere person and who's not. So you just have to keep going back. And they're blowing you off and they're ducking and they're covering and you just don't know. And the approach that I used to take is I would basically just try to create a situation in which the person would just be forced to say no. And I would just pursue it until they'd say no. And then, okay, then once they were clear with me and open with me and upfront with me, then I'd be like, okay, God bless, man. It's been, if you ever need me, I'm here for you. I'd give them a call a month later. Hey, how you going, man? You know, but I just, I always respect their expressed will. Yeah. hundred percent. But if you get someone saying the door's open, you, you try to walk through it. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, and exp- I, yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, that's why it's so important not to lead people on. And going back to that, where you were talking about the decision-making, don't, don't muck around with the appeal and be like, oh, would you like to commit to to not drinking or work your way, you know, be firm with your appeals and don't don't play them on because because the more that you do that, the if you start to lead them on, then you're doing them a dishonesty and you're taking them down a road that is half-hearted. And yeah, you will never know whether they are serious about it or whether they are just doing it so that you won't hound them. That's it. It's, it's, you learn so much about people and human nature when you give Bible studies and you make appeals in those Bible studies and you do your best to lead someone forward to Jesus and to a meaningful relationship with, with him. One thing I've learned in my time of giving Bible studies, especially when it was what I did all day long, was how people will just nod their head Yeah, because it's what they're supposed to do. And you can come away thinking, we're making progress. But why aren't why isn't their life changing? They keep accepting the appeals. It's because they're not accepting your their your appeal. They're just shaking your head because they just feel uncomfortable to do anything else. Yeah. And you're not communicating clearly enough and you're not leading them sufficiently to the point of decision. You're not really encouraging a meaningful life decision. So let's say I gave a Bible study on the sower, the seed, and the soil. That's a familiar parable yeah. in Mark 4 that most of our listeners would know. And so that parable identifies that the seed of God's word can fall on a heart where there's weeds in the life and the weeds are the, the riches and the cares of this life. And so in the study, I talk with the person about God's word can be hindered and the growth of God's word in their life can be hindered by thorns and the cares of this life. So are there cares in your life? that are choking the word out. And they, they say, yeah, here's something that can be choking. Here's something. And we identify in the study. And then my appeal is, okay, so since those are things that get in between you and eternal life, would you like to say to God today that I'll remove that from my life? And be very specific, very yeah. pointed. You yeah. said absolutely that yeah. this is a barrier between you and God. What do you think you should do? And you, it's, it's, and the, but this is a skill that you would learn over time. You yeah, learn yeah, to yeah. help people to make decisions. But it's, I think just the whole world of soul winning is all about you learning how to help someone make yeah. the de- best decisions in accordance with God's word. Yeah, and it's unfair to that person to to lay out that study to them and then to have a, a half-baked appeal. 
it's not fair. It's not fair to them. No, exactly. Unless you're just there for no good reason, like you're just yeah. there to be there. And it's funny because when I first got involved in giving Bible studies and I had experienced soul winners teaching me, I thought to myself, man, you guys are like pushy salesmen. Like this is pushy salesman stuff. And and one one evangelist said to me, he said, yeah, that's if God doesn't exist. He said, you're absolutely right. I'm nothing more than a pushy salesman unless there's a God. But yeah. if there's a God, I'm only helping people to come to a decision over the conviction that the spirit of God has already placed in their hearts. Yeah, absolutely. He says, because if there's a spirit and if the Bible is true, he's bringing people to these decisions. And I'm only the external witness for what's happening on the inside of that person. There is a God, there is a gospel, and these people have been reconciled to God by himself. And now he's calling them to repentance in Jesus's name. And me helping them to come to terms with that is, is only me working in partnership with the spirit, being the agent of God. And the tool of God, he said, but if there is no God, you're absolutely right. We're just pushy salesmen. And so really, he said to me, it boils down to how much you believe there's a God. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's yeah. heavy. That's right. Yeah. That's a gut check. It's a gut check. It is. And, and our whole experience is based on faith. Jesus said, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, that you could move a mountain. We can only do the impossibilities if we have faith. If we can't believe that God will actually work in that person's life, then how can we expect that to happen? Amen. Hey, dude, thank you so much, bro, for, for joining us this week. This has been a really good conversation, and I appreciate you sharing what you've shared, Greg. Your experience is very valuable, and, and I'm glad that you could spend some time sharing it with, with the larger church family in North New South Wales. And everyone out there, I'm just so glad that you've joined us, that you participate with us in this, or that you listen to this podcast series. I think that it's really good for us as a church family to just share our experiences and what we know about various aspects of soul winning and evangelism. So guys, all the best as you work really hard to ensure that people show up to the Bible studies that they've committed to. Uh, God bless you all. And uh, thanks, Greg. And uh, we'll see you all next week.